Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the international Taz and Paula show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula. Well, good morning to everyone out there. We have a wonderful guest, Tom Shadiak, the director, writer, producer. He produced such films as Bruce Almighty, The Nutty Professor, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, Patch Adams, and re-examined his life in a transformational hit film, I Am. Giving up his Hollywood life, a multi-million dollar career directing Hollywood blockbusters, he has become one of today's most profound thinkers. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. And I'm Taz. Well, to let our listeners know up front, March 17th and 18th at the San Jose Center for Performing Arts, Hay House this year brings forth a dynamic new conference called I Can Do It, Ignite. And as you may know, Hay House is the international leader in self-help and motivational publishing. And our guest today is one of the top Um, positive thought leaders that will be there who will address thriving and surviving skills in a changing world. And to the lucky caller today, uh, Paula and I will be giving away one ticket at the end of the show to attend this incredible event. And um, don't forget, don't call until after uh, 12 noon. And the number to call in on would be 408-260-2999 or 831 255-2999. Our guest, Tom Shadiak's topic at this event is what's wrong with our world and what can we do about it? Now, if anyone has seen the film, um, I Am, you can be sure this session will inspire you to rethink what we've been taught, discover the truth of who we really are, and along the way, challenge uh, it'll challenge your beliefs about the nature of human potential. I personally did not see the movie I Am. I wished I had because after viewing the mini trailers, I was able to embrace a feel for the depth of this movie. I was I was a modern day, um, what I saw was that it was like a modern day think tank. Um, allowing others to look more deeply within themselves, that inner journey that begs you to want more of the heartfelt life. Paula, tell us more about Tom, will you? Well, in 1983, at the age of 24, Tom moved to Los Angeles and became the youngest staff joke writer ever for comedian Bob Hope. In 1989, Tom received his master's degree in film from the UCLA after completing the critically acclaimed short Tom, Dick, and Harry. 
Uh, looking back on his life, Tom has propelled his way into life that brought all the items that he was taught that measured success. A multi-million dollar career, a 17,000 square foot mansion, fancy cars, a luxury of flying and private jets, invitations to extravagant parties, and more. Uh, despite this, it didn't really make him happy. Uh, Tom says something just didn't feel right. Well, I'm going to stop there, and I want to thank Tom for being with us today. And thank you for such good work you've been doing to bring people back down to ground and affirming our way of life that should be. So, welcome. And um, Tom, when you were came to Los Angeles as a uh, joke staff writer, did you think that you were going to be a famous producer? I No, actually, uh, I had no idea... Uh... Uh, thanks for having me on. By the way, I, I appreciate your uh, <clears throat> your interest in our conversation. Uh, no, I came. Uh, I thought I would be a writer for Saturday Night Live, uh, maybe do some stand-up comedy, but I experimented a lot in show business. I, I, I like that sort of uh, approach to life, where you try a lot of things. And uh, and what spoke to me the most was directing. I, I directed a student short at UCLA uh, during grad school. And the heavens parted, and it literally, I heard the voice say, this is what you're going to be doing. And uh, uh, so it wasn't a, a pre-plan. It was more about diving into life and seeing what, what where life led me. Well, you have been <laughs> definitely open to things happening and changing. Um, mm-hmm. The movie I Am, was that the spark that, made you change your thought process or was it your bicycle accident or when did the shift start to happen with you? I always started long before the bike accident. Uh, I've always been interested in the truth and seeking the truth. Um, you know, I was raised in a certain faith, in the Catholic faith, and there were some things that were beautiful about that faith, but I questioned a lot of it, the exclusivity. I always wanted to know what was true. And so uh, I've been a seeker my whole life. And uh the more I began to look at my behavior, open myself up, read, uh, uh, meditate, pray, open myself up to a dialogue, I began to notice certain hypocrisies in my life, and I wanted to change those hypocrisies. I called those behaviors into question, uh, and I wanted to change those behaviors. And I've been doing that over the course of uh, many years, 10, 15 years. Uh, I've been simplifying my life. I, 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 I've been questioning the way I did economy in my life, the way money came to me the way I stood on top and said, more for me, more for me, I'm more valuable, I, I don't support that kind of philosophy anymore for myself. Um, and so the bike accident, uh, which is what is explored in I Am, uh, the bike accident happened a few years ago and I nearly died. And I had been changing my life in a, in a closet, if you will. I'd been doing it rather privately and quietly. Just a few friends were aware of my shifts. And uh, I, when I faced my own death, I... Be- I began to, uh, I instantly uh, uh, realized that I did not want to die with the story inside of me, that I wanted the story perspective. Uh, so I was compelled to make the movie I Am. That's how it came to be. Well, I, when reading about I Am, it said that um, you started out with uh, the question, what's wrong with this world? And it shifted to what's right. I thought that was pretty profound. Right. That's right. Uh, well, if you if you uh, really uh, go on an exploration, 
you will find this thing, this miracle of life and how life works. And it really is. The gospel that I grew up with was called Good News, although I didn't find a lot of good news necessarily in it because of certain exclusivity. But this is a gospel of very good news. Because when you look at life, uh, what is real, what is true, the connections that science is making now, the nature of reality being that there is no end to me and beginning of you, that everything on the quantum level is affecting everything else, uh, our behaviors are affecting each other's, our energies are affecting each other's, and love is really the ultimate component, the element that makes these things work. Love and cooperation are how systems thrive. Um, when you look at that, you discover that there's a terrific, wonderful news that we're not being told. Every day you turn the radio on, what you actually hear is not the human story. You hear the exception to the human story. You don't hear about millions of acts of cooperation that take place each day in a city, doors that are held open for people, good wishes, uh, grief, uh, cooperative acts, none of that you hear about. But if one person steals a car, uh, one person harms another person, that's what you hear about because it's the exception to the human story and not who we really are. So uh, it's a matter of perspective. And, and when you see it for what it is, not necessarily what you've been told, which is based on a fear, it's a fear-based model that drives us now. When you see through that fear, you really find some wonderful footing in, in, in life and in reality. And that's what I uh, discovered over some time, and again, deep and further on this journey, and in in when I explored that with some uh, thought leaders in, in the movie I Am. When I looked at them, the, um, the mini trailers, I really liked what I saw. It'll definitely drive me to look at the rest of the movie. But in there, you know, from what you're saying, the, create a movie that doesn't give you the answers. It, it creates a conversation and allowing people to be able to speak and talk and bring out their feelings and their heart and their compassion in their lives. And, and there's not, um, there's not much, out there like that in a movie that allows people to back up and and um, look at and examine themselves afterward. And this could be almost like a study, um, like a study group could get together and be more involved with it. I, I wonder, being that a lot of this, uh, the I Am uh, movie was put in churches at the beginning, if a lot of this happened. It is, and it's happening now. It's in schools. Uh, it's in rehab facilities. Uh, it's in colleges, uh, high schools. Uh, it It is, uh, there's a curriculum being created around it uh, in certain states. One of them is Colorado. Uh, yeah, because there's so many ideas that are, are provocative. You know, we've been trained a certain way. You know, we've been all told a certain story that our culture supports. We call it, Daniel Quinn calls it our cultural story. And that story dictates how we behave. You know, I'm a storyteller, and every story that I tell has a controlling idea. You know, Bruce Almighty, or say liar, liar, is about the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, there's a controlling idea to our culture. And we, we see each other now, not necessarily as things are, but through this story, this lens. And that lens says that we're all separate, that nothing is connected, that I have to take care of me first, and that I have to win at the game. So when we show this movie and we show some very 
uh, clear, uh, new, relatively new, but very uh, uh, compelling scientific evidence that said life is not that way. Uh, uh, it, it provokes people, and, and people come with a lot of questions. You know, the choir does see this movie. The choir says, oh, yes, I've known that all along. I felt my heart. I felt my connection. I know that. Thank goodness you, 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 you shared that story, which confirmed what I, I, I knew. But there are many people who say, well, wait a second. Um, I was trained a certain way, and you're telling me that life is different. Talk to me about that. And this is how the human family grows. We converse with each other. We open up the dialogue. Um, so uh, uh, I've been very encouraged by that, that people are willing to look at this movie. Uh, there, you know, it takes great courage to question what you've been taught. Um, uh, and and uh, I'm, I'm just touched and humbled by the fact that this movie seems to be able to provide an access point to people seeing the world a different way and then behaving differently. And one other thing I'll say about it is, you know, some – some have criticized the film because it doesn't give you a to-do list. This is a very uplifting film. It's very unlike many documentaries you'll see. It doesn't present 90% of the problem and then give you five seconds of a solution. It talks about the solution for the whole movie, but it's not so much about what to do. It's really a conversation about who to be and who you are. And from that being comes all doing. So I, I, I want people to understand who they are in truth and in reality. And when they wake up to that miracle, uh, I think all doing changes. Well, doing our show uh, and speaking to the choir, so to speak, I think the choir is getting larger and larger. I mean, there's a big shift going on. Do you agree? I do. I see this energy a lot. My friends just released a video yesterday, which is a video uh, called Coney uh, 2012, they're with Invisible Children, and this video uh, is about connecting, <clears throat> excuse me, about connecting America's youth uh, with the youth of Africa and helping uh, in any way we can and taking responsibility uh, for our actions in the world. And that fire, that video went viral in three days. It got 30 million hits. So yeah, we're I just thought, I just, I just saw it last night. That's really you did, funny. you did. Yeah, so me too. There's some very profound uh, uh, moments in that film, uh, and there's some work we still have to do, but, but it says we're now able to see each other. And because we can now see each other, we can care about each other. And so uh, I do think that there's an elevating shift of consciousness that has allowed that to take place. All these things, I think, are happening at once and at a rate that I'm not even sure we appreciate yet. Maybe when we look back, we'll see like when the Berlin Wall fell, that there's a wall that's going to fall between us, between this fact that uh, we, we consider ourselves as separate. We are all one family, and that's including not just the human species, but all of life. And, and I think we're going to see that wall fall between our separation as we look back and, and, and look at this time and say, wow, it, 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 it fell and fell quickly and dramatically. Yeah. Uh, as above, so below. <laughs> it's, yes. Uh, it's it's pretty incredible. Well, I mean, it's just even the the connotations of you know pay it forward, like you know it has been in the past. It's it's like bringing that love and compassion and support to people that that they go, wow, you know, you just an, never anticipated that they would receive any kind of support or compassion in, in their mode that they're standing in at the moment, and this is 
it's just a heart uh, throbbing. Uh, literally, it's infectious, and it's very exciting to watch. And like you said, this this new movie, uh, Coney, that just they went viral. It's like instantaneously. It's thank God for the internet, you know. Yeah, yeah, and 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 to be clear, it's a it's a mutual process, and and again, these are these are friends of mine, Jason Russell, uh, um, uh, who who made the film. <clears throat> He's a wonderful human being, and they don't see this as America helping Africa. It is as much as as the beauty of Africa helping to wake up America. We have fallen asleep, very much so in our culture through what the Romans used to call bread and circus. We have a lot of toys, a lot of bread. We're well-fed, and we have a lot of circus. We're well-entertained, and that can put us to sleep. As Emerson said, while I sit on the cushion of advantage, I fall asleep. So this is helping to wake up our youth to passion, to purpose, to love, uh, to creativity, to brotherhood. And and so it's mutual. Uh, uh, Our brothers and sisters in Africa offer us the value of their lives as we offer what we can to them. So it's very much a mutual exchange. We 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 are each benefited by the beauty of the other. Uh, Taz and I just um, it was last year, I think Taz, when we went to Stanford, and the Dalai Lama was there, and he donated some money to create um, a new department, uh, altruism, and it it was just, I mean, the students there just swarmed and, and they're they're eating it up like crazy and i think this is happening in a lot of universities yeah absolutely i teach at a university i teach at pepperdine and basically this is what we do we we, we show a film and we last night we showed coney and we talk about decisions that uh the youth are facing uh in their lives and what it means for them to live uh the, their best life their highest self um, and kids are hungry for this. That video is a classic example of what <clears throat> my industry has yet to wake up to, that people are hungry and starving for this new story. They're hungry and starving for this conversation, and they're hungry and starving uh, to be able to serve the connection that they all feel in their hearts. They're tired of what we call reality shows, even though they may they may watch it watch a show uh, in a kind of robotic trance, they are hungry for something different. You don't get 30 million hits in three days without something saying uh, there is a need out there that we must uh, serve. Yeah. So yeah. I'm very excited by this, by what this is what this is saying. Yeah. About a month ago, Paula and I attended an organization um, called uh, an event that called that was called Gate in uh, Beverly Hills. You, you might be um, familiar with it. John Ratz is the founder. And the organization shares new ways of developing and writing script for filmmakers uh, with the end result of supporting and lifting humanity and new consciousness. And um, more than likely you've heard about this organization. If not, it's it's out there. And you know what? It looks like everybody is just, um, like you say, it is just catching. It is just doubling um, momentarily as as we speak. It is so exciting to watch. I wonder for you, what what has, and everything that you've done, what has made the biggest difference in your life, Tom? Uh, the biggest difference in my life? Wow. I, I would have to say love. Uh, it, it's, 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 it's love. It's love as I see... Um, 
uh, in those whose lives I've found a power, like Jesus, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, St. Francis. It's the love I've experienced in my own life through uh, being involved in uh, charity work, uh, uh, the work of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, the work of Invisible Children, the work of Free the Slaves. It's the power of love. Um, you know, when you talk about Jesus, we our culture might break him down dogmatically and create division um, uh, with the idea. For me, Jesus was the embodiment of love. He came to teach us love, and he came to teach us in a very practical way, I think, how things work. That's why Einstein called uh, our moral leaders geniuses in the art of living. That's our most practical scientist, our most genius scientist of the last century, called our moral leaders, not idealists, but geniuses in the art of living. In other words, they tell you how to live each day. They tell you how to set up your business. They tell you how to educate your kids. And the driving principle of these moral leaders is love. So if there's any power to anything I've ever done, uh, it is because uh, I have felt the power of love and, and wish to serve it. I have a question. Is Richard Shadiak your father? Yeah, yes. Yes, uh, he, my father ran St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. He helped to found it with, Saint, with, uh, with uh, Danny Thomas. Uh, my brother actually runs it now, um, and uh, it's, it's a beautiful uh, a model um, uh, of how we can serve each other because they treat children for free. Nobody is asked for insurance when they get there. These are catastroph- catastrophically ill children, and they are, they are never asked to write a check they are never asked to pay for anything. In fact, St. Jude picks up the family's uh, hotel bills. They put them up in condominiums or uh, in long, uh, long-term stay facilities, and uh, they take care of all their needs. And that's because people like you and your audience respond to this kind of generosity. You know, people think that what motivates us in life is money. And they miss the most powerful thing in life, which what motivates us and the most powerful actions we see is love. So that's why St. Jude Children's Research Hospital raises $750 million a year because people respond to the love that they give and and pay forward, as you said, to their patients. And people find that beautiful. So I tell you right now, I could put any business in our country out of business if I add the component of love. If you give me any organization that's making untold profits, excessive profits, where I think the question we have to ask is how much do we need? How much do we need to lead a beautiful life that is loving and kind and compassionate and purposeful and joy-filled? Not a life of austerity, but a life of beauty. And the rest then goes to true wealth, which is to serving others. But any business, whether it's a coffee company, whether it's a business that sells uh, uh, products from Walmart to, to, to Kmart, if you allow me to say, we're going to top our salaries here, we're all going to take something that we need for our lives, but we're going to give back any excess to the community. The community, we've done surveys on this, 90% of people would instantly change their shopping habits, and the other 10% would simply wait to see if it was actually true what we, that we were doing what we were saying we were doing. And when people wake up to the fact that that's how you become truly wealthy, by sharing your life, your creativity with others, our whole business world is going to be rethought. And, and, and young people are going to carry forth, like Invisible Children is carrying forth, 
this model into creating a new world. Tom, can you well, tell I, us about the I Am Nonprofit Foundation? Yeah, well, uh, I, I again, I questioned that the way I did economy in my life. So, again, I asked myself how much do I need, and I need very little. In fact, I, I want to give back much, much more. I, I, I accumulated far too much. I'm still a work in progress. But I, I wanted I Am to be a model, again, for how we move forward. So I paid we didn't have many people work on it, but I paid those who worked on it whatever they needed. Those of the family were paid more than those, say, who were single. And every other cent now that comes in is going back to the common good. So just this week we made a commitment to free a village of slaves uh, over the course of three years in India, uh, in the rock quarries of India. We will be helping them. We'll free them. This is through this wonderful organization called Free the Slaves. Uh, they move in with authorities, pull these slaves out of slavery, uh, re-educate them, re them, and then they're going to purchase uh, this rock quarry, uh, that's the plan, and then deed it to uh, the former slaves who then can now work for their own community and for their own betterment. Um, so, uh, you know, we did well last year with the documentary in, in, in terms of documentaries, nothing like the feature world yet, the grosses, but... Any money that comes into us will go back. So uh, we appreciate everyone who's seen the film, uh, and we want them to know that we're taking their energy and we're and we're and we're giving it right back, reflecting it right back. Now, p- can people uh, buy the film now on DVD? Yeah, it's available on DVD. Uh, our distributor is a company known as Guyam. You may be familiar with them. Uh, I'm not sure what retail outlets have it. Uh, right now, but it is available online uh, through iTunes um, uh, and uh, Oprah, Oprah, the Oprah Winfrey Network is uh, is also uh, uh, shown it a few times, and they'll be showing it a, a few more times in the near future. Well, this is this is incredible, and I know myself when I I'm giving something to someone out of, from my heart that makes me feel better than anything else. Sure, absolutely. That's because that's how you're made. Because you so are wired, whoever designed us, whatever you call that God source life, even the chance of it, which is an impossible thing for me to believe, but even the chance of it, you were designed because something knew that if you didn't cooperate, if you were simply aggressive and competitive, that you wouldn't survive, that this species wouldn't survive, and that life wouldn't survive. So that infinite knowledge, again, that created this this whole uh, uh, world and universe I think knew that and we're programmed with that so uh, uh, when you feel something, when you give a gift you are actually feeling your own biology not just your emotions and your spirit but your own biology which is uh, eliciting those emotions uh, it's like it's, when you, it's like getting a hit of uh, they call it nature's chocolate it's equivalent to a small hit of cocaine when you even witness an altruistic act. That's how deeply hardwired you are for love. That's why we tear up. The chest expands. We tear up because our biology says, yes, this behavior is good for you. You need this behavior. We want you. It encourages the human species to love and thereby evolve. When you were a young boy, what what were you like? Did you see any part of this in you when you were younger? And um... oh, wow! Yeah, not only did I see it in me, I'm, I, I, I'm trying to get back to that young boy. 
You know, a friend of mine is a planet walker, John Francis, and he walked in silence for 22 years, in silence, protesting an oil spill, gave up motorized transportation. And I asked him, John, what did you learn after 22 years of silence? What is it that you heard? And he said to me, uh, I heard little Johnny Francis, meaning he woke up to the purity of his youth, of who he was as a boy. And, and you know, so so much of what happens in society is we get opted into a vision that takes us away from our authentic self. That's why Jesus said, uh, unless you become like these little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. So as a child, I instinctively knew the beauty and the power of, uh, of, of, of Jesus, of the work of a, of a Gandhi. Uh, I, I could feel the love. And then society told me, well, now you've got to understand that you know something uh, that others don't, and you have knowledge that will get you into a certain place we call heaven, and others won't get in. And I thought, well, that doesn't sound right. You know, my my instinct as a child was very. Um, I think all of our children have very strong instincts. So uh, yes, when I was a little boy, I, I I felt very directly the power of love, and I said, "That's what I want to be. I want to be that." I remember my mother getting upset with me for giving away my toys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good for you. Good for you. Well, that's what I'm doing now. I'm giving away my toys. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yes, good. So, um, do you think you'll be producing or directing any large comedy films like Bruce Almighty again? Well, I, I certainly uh, value storytelling, and, 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 and my journey is not about looking down in any way on the films that I've created. I think they're all beautiful uh, attempts to put good energy uh, and love into the world. Uh, and so I'm, I'm happy with those attempts and, and what we've done. So uh, in the future, if something excites me and excites my spirit, of course, I would, I would serve that piece of work uh, to the best of my ability. I have three scripts now that I'm uh, a couple comedies and one drama. One was a, one. The drama is the true story of that gentleman I told you about, John Francis. Uh, and and if we can get those movies cast and financed, I would I would be blessed to be uh, directing or producing them, uh, and happily so. Oh, that would make a wonderful film. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, I think so as well. well. I think the people, the audiences out there, like you said, the younger people, but not only the younger people want more films like that. So there's a, as we said before, a large shift and Hollywood better listen. (laughs) So when you made I Am, you interviewed all walks of life. I mean, from, could you explain that a little bit to our audience? Oh, did we, oh, we lost him. Oh, no. Oh, let's tell him. Okay, he'll be probably calling back in. Um, yeah, okay. Well, don't forget, well, let's he'll be say who we, that we're talking to Tom Shadiak, and he's he was a producer director of films like Bruce Oma, I mean Bruce Almighty and and really large director. So um, go ahead and tell the people about the um, where he's going to be in San Jose and with the Hay House, many Ra- other Hay yeah. House event. Uh huh. It's a, a dynamic conference that's headed up, and I can do it, Ignite. And um, Hay House is the international leader to self-help and motivational publishing. And turn that down while I do this. There we go. <laughs> hey, back. I'm back, guys. Can you hear me? 
Yeah, yeah. we can. Yeah, so sorry that call uh, that call dropped. I'm back. I'm on my. I actually got I got to my home phone, so we can finish this up on the home phone. Okay. Well, well I we just want to let people know that um, you're going to be. Uh, at the special Hay House event March 17th and 18th at the San Jose Center for Performing Arts here in San Jose, California. And um, we are giving away one ticket, and so at the end of the show I'll be giving uh, that away. You can call our station here. And where were we here? Let's um, pick back up. Okay, sure. Okay. uh, We were talking about uh, uh, how you made your movie I Am. You went. You were interviewing people. Was did you interview people from all walks of life? Well, yeah, I tried to get a variety of disciplines uh, because I, I I began to notice years ago that all these disciplines were discovering the same thing. Um, science was discovering the connections of life. Quantum physics. Our physiology was discovering that love is what makes us work. Cooperative acts renew our physiology. Laughter is a form of medicine. Uh, I began to see that the mystics, of course for millennia have been telling us that same thing, the saints and sages, the same thing. So I went out and got academics. I got a historian like Howard Zinn. Uh, uh, I got a a poet like Coleman Barks. I got a scientist like uh, Roland McCready or Dean Radin, Elizabeth Satoris. Uh, I got a journalist who covers science, um, Lynn McTaggart. And, um, again, I wanted to see if they uh, uh, could give me what a friend calls a piece of the puzzle, to what has gone wrong uh, in the world, and then how can we write it? Uh, and to see if they could sense this uh, this story that was being told, uh, that the connective tissue across these different disciplines were, were all saying the same story. And these were people that, the people that I interviewed were all people who uh, I had uh, at some point been moved by on my journey. They had helped to change me and open me up to new ideas. So that's why I went and spoke to the very, I had read a people's history and was moved by Howard Zinn telling me a story uh, that my culture didn't tell me, uh, uh, certainly didn't openly tell me uh, as I grew up through my education. Uh, Coleman Barks' poetry with Rumi had moved me and opened me up uh, to, to, to my heart, to the Sufi mystic way. So th- that's why I chose a certain, the, the people that I did. And of course, there were others I wanted to interview, but uh, like the Dalai Lama, um, Vandana Shiva, uh, et cetera, that I was not able to get to. Did you have a favorite person of all the people you interviewed? Uh, you know, it's it was they're like it's like telling what's your favorite child. You know, and not that they're my children in any way, but I I love them all for what they've done for me and for the world and for the conversation that they've shared. So I I really don't have a preference. You know, it's 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 you know chocolate ice cream and uh, and vanilla. I love them both. You know, <laughs> they're they're well, they're they all. all... They all brought specific little uh, goodies to your life that you can that you were involved with and brought the love to you in different ways. So, like you say, it's a special child. There's really no special child. Each one was that special, unique gift to you. You know, absolutely. Did, did you have yeah. a big any big surprises while making this movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the whole journey of the movie was a surprise. I did not know that I would be. You haven't seen the movie, so you'll see very early on. Um, I call myself mentally ill, and I didn't know I was a part of a mental illness. Uh, I knew that I had behaviors that were hypocritical, but uh, I discovered very early that the Native Americans and Indigenous people called a, the kind of mentality that I was a part of 
uh, Wetika, which is translated as, as mentally ill. I didn't know that the film was going to be called I Am, and there's a very specific reason it's called I Am. I know I Am is the original utterance of God. That is serendipity and beautiful, but it's not the reason I called the film I Am. You have to see the film. So I made those discoveries along the way, um, and uh, it's the power of the creative process when you open yourself up. Uh, the best creators, I think, are the best listeners, and uh, hopefully we did uh, some decent listening in, in this film. Now, well, How did uh, the, the title... Oh. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, go ahead, because I'll ask my question after yours. I was going to say, how how did the title I Am come about? What does it mean? Well, I, I, I think I should uh, hold that as a... Uh, as a, it's part of the journey of the film, so I, I, I kind of want, if someone hasn't seen it in the audience, I, I'd prefer that they uncover that when they see the film. But I will okay. say this, it's a very practical, it represents a very practical uh, title. It's not, again, just the idea that this was an utterance of God uh, in the Judeo-Christian faith, I am. It has a very practical reason to be, and it pulls the whole film together, so... I, I, I would rather leave that discovery for the uh, the journey of the audience. Okay. Well, to me, it, that was a, your own journey because you originally had another name for the film, didn't you? I did. I did. My uh, original name for the film was Imagine because I wanted to imagine a different world. And I I uh, lived with that title above my head. I wrote it on a piece of paper in some block letters and edited the film, um, uh, uh, much of the film with that above my head. And then... The title I Am came, and I realized I'd been staring at it all along because imagine the first three letters are I Am, just you got to tweak them around a little. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a, imagine was a nice place to start. I Am was a good place to wind up. Can I people buy ask. the film? Oh, I was going to say, can people buy the film at the conference that you're going to be speaking at in San Jose? Uh, good question. I'll try to make sure that that happens. I, I think they will be able to, but uh, I'll check with my team and make sure we have uh, make sure we have some uh, some copies for them. That's oh, a great, great. Thought. <laughs> well, I have to laugh. Um, what has happened before I even became more involved with what you were doing before we were to interview you? Uh, for some reason, I was writing "I am" uh, in in an email again and again and again, and I never do that. That was really funny. And all of a sudden, last night I realized now it's come back to my brain that this movie must be really an important movie for me to watch. And um, so, you know, it's just kind of synchronicity that's taken place in my life, and and it's been brought forward to me again. Happy about that. My thought control is working. <laughs> You're, like you said, each person's more powerful than they would even imagine. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, everything happens for a reason. Yes, I so, agree. I think there's a guiding hand to all of this, and uh, it's it's one of the lessons I I, I hope to uh, to impart is that we need worry much less than we do. Uh, you said your shift was a, a, a slow process, and that kind of spoiled one of my questions <laughs> because I was going to ask you, uh, what did your friends say to you when you completely shifted or changed? Maybe they just saw it in such a slow process they didn't say anything. But well, there were some dramatic lose- moments, you know, from saying, 
you guys, I think I want to live in a, in, a, in, a, in a mobile home park. Now, where I live is beautiful, and it's not cheap. It's in Malibu. So I, I don't want to make any pretenses here. Uh, but it was, it's still a mobile home park where you don't own the land, and, y- you know, you have an eclectic, beautiful neighborhood. But it's not the model where you're getting the gate and the mansion and the fence up, and and they thought I was a little whacked, <laughs> a little nutty. Um, and, you know, the more I've wanted to move away from material wealth into what I call a truer wealth, you know, my team, like any team in the economic model that we live in, it's all about, no, how can we get you richer in terms of the money side of things? And I'm saying, no, richness comes when we invest in others. How can we let this flow through us? And, you know, that took uh, took few people aback. Um, it's not generally what they hear or what they're programmed or taught to do. But, you know, my friends are beautiful people and the people that work with me, and they've seen my life over time, and they see how much uh, uh, passion has inhabited me and how beautiful the, the, the causes are that we support. And, and uh, you know, I think over time that they think less and less and less that I'm, that I'm off my rocker and maybe onto a decent rocker. Do you think that, um, through example, you've uh, kind of sparked a shift or change in others? Well, I think we all spark shifts or changes in others. The question is, how are we sparking those shifts and changes? Are, are we adding to the anger and the violence around us, or are we adding and contributing to the potential for love? So, yeah, I... I I, like all people, we all have a power. Uh, The butterfly effect is real. It's scientific. Uh, You knock one domino over, and the dominoes will be knocked over every time. And so uh, my shifts, of course, have had some kind of impact on those around me. And, you know, I also have the blessing to be able to teach, and so I can see very directly how some of the conversations we have have helped kids to open up to their own authenticity to let go possibly of the model of the world that told them what success was, and they're able to embrace their own definition of success and their own authentic selves and go on their own unique journeys. You know, there's one regret, the number one regret of the dying, when they did a study recently, I believe it was through an MSNBC poll, was the dying said they didn't live their own life. And so the conversation that we have with the young people is that we encourage them to live their own life. Um, Just through talking with you, I'm imagining that maybe teaching is one of the most rewarding things you've done. Oh, it's incredible. Incredible. And like like I said about the kids in Uganda uh, giving to us as well as we to them, the kids uh, have given me... uh, given me such a wealth of encouragement and perspective. Uh, You know, I didn't start out teaching with as much faith uh, in the world and as much belief in who we are. And after six years of teaching, uh, I have deeply been encouraged. My my lawyer recently said to me, I asked him how he was doing, he said, I wasn't feeling very hopeful with the world. And I said, you should hang out with my class. You should ha- you could you should come and meet some young people, because they will knock you right back into your heart and right back into hope. Wow, Tom, I I question. Do you have a couple of stories that you could share with our listeners that that 
started maybe during or after making this movie that that um, kind of stand out for you? Well, I'll tell you one of the ones that started a big shift in my life. Morgan Freeman is a friend of mine, and uh, I've worked with him on two films. And I found a power in Morgan. It's his presence. You know that Morgan is standing on his own two feet, which is the summation of a spiritual journey. So I took Morgan out to dinner. We went out to dinner one night. Tom, I have to stop you at oh. this moment. Yes, yeah, um, or stop away. Some, something has happened that um, you're going in and out um, on, on the phone, phone, and I... And oh. I want our listener to be able to hear you. Okay, so, so I'm going to maybe get closer to the source of this. Uh, how's that? Is that better? Yes. Am uh, I no longer going this, in and out? Yeah, no. at this point you're not going in and out. I'm sorry. Okay. Can you please restart what you were saying? Sure, yeah, sure, we sure. Don't I, I was just telling a story about uh, uh, how um, some of the changes in my life, some of the most dramatic changes in my life began, and that was after uh, Bruce Almighty. Uh, I, I took Morgan Freeman out uh, to dinner. And I had always admired Morgan because of his solidity. You feel the strength of his spirit and presence. And so I asked Morgan, uh, I said, Morgan, we've put words in your mouth as God. Tell me, what is it that you believe? What is it that creates this strength and this dignity in you? And so um, Morgan surprised me, and he, he asked me if I'd ever heard of something called the tyranny of agriculture. And I had not. Uh, I, if I did, I thought I had, and I certainly had misunderstood, but he pushed, pushed me in, uh, uh, in contact with a book called Ishmael, and Ishmael radically changed my beliefs uh, and opened my perspective up. Uh, uh, it, it opened me up to what this thing we call a cultural story and what I had been taught, and from there it began to break down the way I did, did, did economy. I began to see how nature worked. And nature, of course, works. Everything you see, every biological system you see that's thriving over time is in a state of cooperation, and everything is giving to the other. In a rainforest, everything takes what it needs, but it allows others to have what they need. And I could see that my behavior in the economic model was not that, that I was taking everything I could for myself. That's the way I was taught. Give me as much as you possibly can, as much as I can get. And that really shook me and woke me up to certain hypocrisies. So... Um, it was that relationship. Again, I think people should, if they open up to what moves them, you, you often find uh, uh, a path. You find a way forward. And Morgan had always moved me with the strength of his character, and, I, and I'm in deep appreciation for him helping uh, to shift me and, and start this journey. You know, there's something about his voice. I just love his voice. I could listen to his voice all day long. I just love it. And may and I, I say that that's not an accident that his voice is so rich because he is so rich as a person. It's not just a person who has a voice that doesn't reflect the spirit of who he is. Morgan's voice is an exact, beautiful reflection of the depth and beauty of the, of the spirit that is Morgan. Wow. How do you spell the book Ishmael? Ishmael, uh, I-S-H-M-A-E-L. It's by Daniel Quinn. Uh, and it's a very provocative book. It won the Turner Fellowship, I believe, in the late 90s. Ted Turner uh, wanted someone to write a new idea to help the world wake up to, to solve some of the world's problems, and he wanted it written in a novel. He didn't want it in a treatise. He wanted it in, in novel form, and Daniel Quinn wrote Ishmael and won that competition. Um, and it's a really... Uh, wonderful provocative book 
agree or disagree, I virtually guarantee it will get you thinking. <laughs> well, I think we are thinking because there's such an uprising about the GMO foods and and I think our voices are starting to be heard. I agree. How crazy is it? We were just talking about this the other day that we have to go to a special section called organic to get foods that are not poisoned, essentially, that are not chemically altered or processed or treated. It's a special section as opposed to <laughs> it should be a special section if you want something chemically poisoned or treated. <laughs> yes. you, you should go to the nut section. You know, we should be all in the crazy person section. But but because, again, it's this idea that profits and productivity in terms of money and, and numbers have become our God rather than the good, uh, uh, the, the, the value of life and how we all participate in supporting that life. Because we've got it flipped upside down, all these things exist. And when we turn it right side up... Uh, Everything, everything's going to change. Well, it's even reversed. They charge us more for organic food. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, because it's so rare now. It's so rare. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's also, well, though, an indication that the way we farm now um, is not really indicative of the cost. We pay a false cost for some of these goods, a deflated cost. When you think of the cost on the earth, the cost of pollution, uh, the cost of the soils, the, co- the cost of health, we're, we're, the food is actually much costlier than, than the price tag we're putting on it. So even an inflated price of an organic vegetable, you're going to, in the long run, be paying a lot less, maybe more in the moment, but you'll be paying less in terms of your health and less in terms of the poisons in your environment. Did you ever see the film Fresh? I have not. No, I don't believe so. Oh, okay. It, it's speaks of that. It's a really good film. All these films are coming out now. <laughs> and yeah, it's like yeah. Perfect timing for us. Yep, well, time. Let's I'm go. Gonna, I'm going to go back again and I'm going to ask you for another special story. <laughs> Something that, that you know, for you personally, what happened? I mean, was it funny? Was it unusual? something that you didn't anticipate taking place either before or after this movie? uh, Blowing blowing your socks off. (laughs) Uh, A story, though, in terms of what? Uh, Because obviously there's, if if we cast too wide of a net, none will come to mind. uh, It's something that perhaps maybe that it stopped you in your tracks going, wow, I didn't think of that, Or, uh, or something that was funny something that was unusual. Well, I, I, unfortunately, I'm not going to go to funny. I'm actually going to repeat myself because I don't know if most people understand this. Because okay. when I talk about love uh, being a force, everybody says, yes, we agree, Tom. Oh, yes, love is a force. Beautiful, isn't it? When I talk about uh, the beauty of the, the, the mystics and the poets, and yes, 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 it's all wonderful, isn't it? We're connected. Everything's one. But the second I say that that beauty and that love must walk in your business life you you can drive a truck through the pause in that conversation and people stop and they start to get protective and they start to disagree and what shocked me the most was that when this young person myself who had dedicated his life to the moral values of the mystic saints and sages 
while I was accumulating, I was going to monasteries, the silent retreats that, where Thomas Merton was a monk. I was studying the poetry of, of Rumi and Hafiz and Lao Tzu and wanted my life to, to embody those principles. And it shocked me when I realized how out of sorts I was with those philosophies when I realized how I was doing economy in my life. And all it took to wake me up was to look at nature. Because the, the mystics know that God, the divine spark, is in all things. So you know that God is in nature. That's why when we go back to nature, we go back to ourselves. So when I look at nature, and nature is even older than the human species, we're 175,000 years old, nature on this planet has had 4 billion years to work things out, and I saw how nature worked. That is what shocked me more than anything. I went, oh my goodness, I'm not acting as nature is acting. I'm acting as a cancer taking all that I can, which is what a cancer does, and that can't last, and I'm a part of the problem in the world. I wanted to be a part of the healing of the world. And so it's not enough to say, I love Jesus, I love Gandhi, I love the, you know, the Buddhist philosophies. If you love love, it has to walk. And when we look at our actions, I know when I looked at mine, I found a great deal of actions that were self-motivated, as I had been taught. I had been deluded that this was good. This is good, accumulate. And yet the prophets say, don't even store in the barns. But my society said, no, accumulate. Get as much as you can for yourself. Sit on the cushion of advantage. Have all this money in your savings account. Never have to worry about another thing. Then you can give something back. I called all that into question. I call that all into question today. And some of your listeners are going to hear this and they're going to be afraid. And I understand that fear because no one is there necessarily to help. We have not created community where we take care of each other. So if I, for example, give away uh, my resources to the point where I don't have enough to get an operation, I just found out I may need a small operation. If I didn't have the money, I can understand the fear. I'm not going to be treated. But someone has to step out of this paradigm and say, enough, enough. I trust my fellow human beings that if I am in that situation of need, that they will feed me or they will clothe me. But I want to share my life and my gifts with others. I don't want to accumulate. I don't want to store treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. So I know that wasn't a story. That was more like a sermon, and maybe we should pass a collection plate. But I did. I, that is the that was the most shocking thing to myself as I learned on my journey that I was participating in the very problem itself that I was trying to heal. Well, I think um, you know Paula and I kind of feel that when we're we get a chance to interview with people like you, and our lives are um, are changed. We see the hearts um, of you and the people we interview. It makes us like we cannot not do what we do. It is our hearts just have a vibration. It it it, it becomes. Like um, almost like um, almost like candy, uh, being able to to give out more and more support for our listeners, for people within our within our family. It's like we you want to give more, <clears throat> and there's an energy of of being able to see how they feel more supported and how they feel more loved and 
cared for, and it is definitely very beautiful. It's contagious. It is contagious. And and this is what I want for everyone, to find that thing that you can't not do. And and you're not doing this, I'm sure, for any other reason. You're not doing it because you're getting a big, hefty retirement package. You're doing it because you can't not do it. You love it. You love the conversation. You love sharing the conversation. You love sharing ideas with the world. And it's who you are. And that's what I want for everyone, to find that thing that they can't not do. That's why they're here, to do that thing to face the fears and to do it and and we'll all be richer for that. Yeah, bring brings well, in that singing love note. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Well, thank you Tom so much for being with us today. I mean, um I hope the listeners, I'm sure they do, uh, appreciate you for sharing all this wisdom. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to yap it up for a little bit. And, uh, and well, like you, like you, I feel uh, I, I feel this is something I can't not share. And we will come up and introduce ourselves at the conference at Louise Hayes uh, conference. Cool, I and, look forward uh, to it. Yes, we look forward to going. And um, so, thank you so much. I mean, I'm, we know how busy you are, so thank you for taking the time out for us. Oh, All yeah. good. All right. Enjoy. We'll see you. Enjoy. Soon. Okay. okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. Heartfelt blessings. Bye bye. Okay, well, we need to let people know here that March 17th and 18th at the San Jose Center for Performing Arts, the um, Louise Hayes um, Hay House event, I Can Do It, Ignite. Um, she's going to be, be there, there herself. Yeah, she, yeah she's going to be there. Yeah, she'll be speaking. Yeah. And so will um, Dr. Dyer. Yeah, Wayne, he's, Dr. He's, Wayne Dr. Dyer. Dr. Wayne Dyer's. And so there's going to be some incredible people speaking there. So I think you can get your tickets from the Performing Arts. And also, I believe you can get hop on to louisehay.com and get tickets there. Mm, okay. And um, there's like 27. This conference brings 27 top, today's top positive thought leaders who will be addressing thriving and surviving skills in a changing world. Um, it's just incredible. I I don't have before me some of the people that will be there, but let me tell you, it's really quite a list. And don't forget to um, call right on the nose of 12 <laughs> when uh, we um, turn the hands over to someone else here. I um, And I will give one ticket away to that event. I can do it at night. And um, if you have any comments about any of our shows, uh, you can uh, hop on uh, our Twitter, and it's uh, twitter.com backslash Taz and Paula. So we'd love to hear your comments, and, uh, and we'd love to have you support KKUP. Yeah, and thank you for being with us today. Um, have a great week, and um, I just... And we'll, see, I, <laughs> we'll see you at the conference March 17th and 18th, isn't it? Yes, 17th and 18th, yeah. Okay. Okay. Thanks to you all. Bye.